0: Hey guys, this is Jennifer from The Shooter's Mindset. We are here this week for episode 324. Gosh, that's a lot of episodes. Co-host tonight, we've got Greg Cannon. How are you doing? Hey everyone. And our guests of the hour, we have Keeley and Mike Lilly, the couple extraordinaire of precision rifle, long range shooting. How y'all doing? Doing pretty good. <laughs> Mike's like I don't know how to answer that
1: I didn't tell him that part
0: <laughs> I was like how should I introduce y'all as the uh couple extraordinaire <laughs>
2: quite a few good shooting
0: couples in this game
1: there are yeah
0: yeah there are y'all are out there a good bit though yeah so for those that are unfamiliar with you um because I know y'all are like way northwest of where I'm from Tell us a little bit about yourselves, kind of individually, each of you, and how you got into shooting and then how you got into precision shooting.
1: Sure. So, um, I grew up in Texas. Um, my dad was an avid outdoorsman and sportsman. So, I learned how to shoot, you know, in general at a pretty young age, grip around firearms. Um, but i didn't get into precision shooting or competitive shooting until i met mike really <clears throat> and uh started shooting precision uh learned how to actually do it about 11 years ago but i didn't start competing until about three years ago so um in the precision rifle world but i did start in uspsa but i kind of set that aside and precision rifles definitely the way that i like to go now.
2: So, uh, Michael Lilly. I've um, been shooting precision rifle for about four years now. Um, started up in 2018 again, or seventeen eighteen. Mm-hmm. right in that time frame. Um, I had taken some courses to kind of improve myself as a hunter, um, but then I PCS through the military overseas and had to take a long break and couldn't really shoot. Came back and uh, got in touch with a buddy who took me out shooting again. I remember how much I love shooting long range and uh, luckily for me, there was a local PRS match, regional match. It was only about 30 to 45 minutes from the house at the time. So you took me to that, and it was kind of like full steam ahead since then, just fell in love and just started shooting. So now we're pretty much in precision rifle competitions are eating up all our free time. and uh,
1: All of our vacation
0: time. Yeah, and
2: if, <laughs> if we're not shooting, then we're filming shooting. So, yeah, yeah it was, it's been good.
0: Yep. It's funny. I think a lot of people started in either three gun or USPSA and then were like, oh, I'll try this precision rifle thing. I'll try long range. And then they're like, I know it happened for me. I was hooked. And I was like, I haven't shot a three gun match in three years.
3: It literally took me one shot and I was sold.
2: Yeah. I don't think we saved any money by switching over from three gun, but it's, uh, no, I definitely feel like I'm having a lot more fun.
3: I say I, I miss cheap sports like three gun. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, yes.
0: Putting it in perspective. Yeah, I remember thinking, oh, this is so expensive. It's three guns, and now I have one gun that cost what probably more than what all three cost. <laughs> uh,
3: I, I definitely do because I was like, my
0: glass might cost more than my three guns and three gun. <laughs>
3: You had nice three guns. I, I when I was in three gun, it was like my first three years out of college and like buying a house and stuff like that. So there wasn't like a whole lot of extra money floating around. But yeah, my my centerfire rifle definitely costs probably double what all three of my three guns cost.
1: Yeah, we. I mean, we're double in this house. And before I committed to competing at the national level, I. I really thought about it long and hard because we had played the, you know, Mike starts a hobby and he's like, Hey, this is really fun. You should come too. And then I'm like, yeah, okay. And then we get all the stuff and start a new hobby. And uh, so I dragged my feet pretty hard, but I, once I did my first national match, I didn't really look back. So
0: It's fun. It's good times. Yeah. So y'all have a YouTube channel how, what made you decide to start the YouTube channel and tell us a little bit about us, about it and how you can find it?
2: Well, actually we were uh, hanging out with Travis Ishida, um, who runs the NRL and he's a good friend of ours. And we were having a lot of fun and hanging out and um, some kind of one of those couples moments where you're bickering back and forth as a couple, but it's playful and it's hilarious. And he's like, you guys need to do a reality show. And I said, well, that's, probably never going to fly and so that was kind of the end of it and then we were doing some stuff and learning some stuff and uh we're like man you know if only we had known this it's too bad this information isn't out there and then i was like well you know what about a youtube channel because you know i like taking pictures photography that kind of stuff and um keely does too and then we started this kind of this idea of sharing our journey uh through the youtube channel um, we've always taken the stance of like, we're not experts and we're not getting on YouTube to tell people how they need to do everything. It's more sharing our journey, sharing our growth and sharing some of our lessons learned. Um, in fact, I think the most, the most feedback we get is on our disaster stage videos where we've, we've got a couple on there where we just absolute train wrecks and stages, yeah. you know, one out of 10 and you, you see everybody fumbling and dropping everything and just just horrible horrible stages and i think people appreciate that because we've all been there it doesn't matter if you you're the winner of the ag cup or whatever you've had some bad stages and you've learned some hard lessons along the way so that's kind of what we're trying to share for those lessons to help speed up everybody's learning process
0: i think that's huge because so many times like when i first started if i did bad on a stage i was like i was embarrassed i was like you know, you finish and you're like, was anybody watching? (laughs) You know, because you feel like you're the only person that just zeroed a stage or the only person that only got a one, you know, and I shot a lot of times with like Regina and Ryan Hay, Paul Reed, all those people at first. And of course, they're getting up there and getting eights, nines, tens. And I'd get up there and get like a two. And I was like, I suck and but you feel like you're the only one and then as I've done this more I'm like no everybody I mean I see really good people at the AG Cup like you said I watched some of the best zero stages so it's uh, very interesting to kind of see that perspective but everybody always posts it's like Facebook in general everybody posts their best right everybody posts the beautiful happy family the children are smiling and perfect they don't post the one with the kids hanging from the ceiling and chocolate everywhere and mom's hair is everywhere and dad's yelling at everyone you know that doesn't get posted it's always the perfect stuff and so i think shooting is the same way so i really appreciate that y'all will put up your disaster stages and
2: yeah i was actually you know, social media, Instagram posts of people shooting these amazing groups almost made me want to start a support group for PRS or NRL shooters that can't shoot groups because I have amazing four round groups. And then, you know, the one over here, or the one over there. But I never see that on Facebook. It's always like the, the one hole groups. You know, my gun is amazing. Like, oh, here's a video of me cleaning a stage.
3: Mm-hmm. then you
2: go to the score and then it's like their 50th and you're like, well, what happened Mm -hmm. (laughs)
0: so yeah yeah. for the longest time i felt like man i can't shoot because i can't do these one whole groups everybody's doing and i'm like i'm not worried about it i don't worry about it every time Mm -hmm. i shoot a group i shoot a five round group and i have a nice pretty four rounds and then my fifth round every time is off to the side (laughs) i don't know why maybe i should stop at four but I'm stubborn, and I'm like, no, I'm going to get a good five round group, and then I'm like, dang it, <laughs> every time, so it never fails. Well, if we need to
2: shoot a group for an Instagram picture, we're going to let Keely shoot it. She's the better group shooter for sure. <laughs> I'll take
1: that as a consolation, since he's still beating me in matches. So
3: <laughs> I, was about to, I was about to say, if you look at uh, if you look at group sizes. In between Jen and I, like, you'd think that I'm by far the better shooter, but, like, I have not been to the finale for the past two years like her, so.
0: <laughs> I just don't worry about it that much. Everybody gets all bent on the groups and the SD, and I, like, just get out there and shoot it. Yeah. I mean, not that I want terrible stuff. I want it to, you know, be decent, but if it's not, you know, a SD of two and all in one hole, like, yeah. so dark. be it.
2: In our last video, actually, Scott Satterley, uh, we're doing a video on brass prep, how to reload for precision rifle. And he tells a great story about Jake Vibbert, who was beating everybody, and he went out and shooting with him at the zero range. Jake's got, you know, a half inch, three quarter inch group going. And Scott's like, Are you shooting that? And he's like, Yeah, it's not really shooting great, but it'll be fine. He went out and won the match. So I, I think people just way overthink some things. and Way
1: and that's something that we're learning, you know, as we go along, is that you know, you talk to some of the shooters who've been around a while, and they have got all this experience, and they're like, yeah, you know, it it doesn't really matter that much. I'm still winning, I'm still winning with this gun.
2: I mean, because I've had some really great shooting guns and I haven't won a national match yet, so.
0: (laughs) You mean the gun, the equipment doesn't do it for you?
2: Yeah, I tried to buy my way to the top and it just hasn't happened
0: yet, so. Man. It's that thing called practice. Dang it. I knew I was missing something. So what was your experience like coming into the sport as new shooters? You're both still relatively new, like last three years into PRS, so... What was your experience like in coming to the sport and how did that affect you doing the YouTube channel?
2: So I think we were very, very lucky. The community, we live up in Western Washington. I think we are, unless you lived at like the Southern tip of Florida, maybe. We're about as far from you as we could be. Um, The group up here at the time was just the most friendly, salt of the earth, Oh, you don't have a bag? Use mine. Oh, you want to check out my scope here? You know, here's my rifle. We'll shoot a couple rounds. Like, it was amazing and a phenomenal welcoming uh, group. So we got really super lucky with that. And it was, you know, again, just 30, to 45 minutes down the road. Um, I had some friends that were in, into it, and I was very, very fortunate um, to have some kind of mentors that kind of walked me through some things and saved me a lot of heartache because we see it all the time where a guy will show up and they're like, Hey, it's my first match. And they, you know, they don't know anything. They don't know what's going on. And they can get super frustrated if people aren't taking the time to help them out. And we were just really, really blessed to always have had that mentorship from people. And then as we've evolved and gotten better, um, you know, picking up new mentors at different levels, and it really just helped us out. So for us, it's been nothing but great things. And I think that that's one of the big reasons that we like precision rifle more than some of the other shooting disciplines is the people within the community just tend to be a lot more giving, a lot more, um, I'll just say genuine. I don't know if that's the right
1: word. I'd agree with that. Yeah, yeah I'd agree. It's instead of like USPSA, um, you know, people can tend to be a little bit condescending. And, you know, I I've, I've shot single stack in USPSA and the amount of condescending advice that I would get from people was astronomical and the type of advice that you get with precision rifle shooting is is kind and it's genuine like people really want to help you hey man you look like you're struggling you know let's let's run through that again try this back or maybe put your hand here when you're um when you're shooting off the barricade instead of oh well you need this magazine or you shouldn't be running that or you know it's genuinely helpful Mm
0: -hmm. i agree completely Mm -hmm. everybody's been great in this entire sport i mean it's just it makes you want to come back like I'm having some things go on this year. I don't know how many matches I'll get to actually shoot, but I kind of just want to go hang out. <laughs> 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 just to, I mean, I have a ton of friends now in PRS and, and they're legit, really good friends. And, yeah. you know, I miss seeing them. So.
1: Same thing for us. I have been known to say often that it's like a big party with all your friends from all across the country. Every time we get together, it's my favorite part about this sport is the people. I love shooting but it's it's the people that make it great nobody wants to go and you know put yourself through a stressful event for two days in a row and then be around people they don't like you know mm
3: mm-hmm. mm-hmm. gotta say i think my my favorite match of the year so far has been ag cup because like i just got to go and hang out with my friends i didn't even have to like worry about shooting good i just had to like hold a camera and do some pointed at Jen while she talked about the match it was awesome
2: yeah, yeah for sure we- We've RO'd a couple big matches um, too, and you know it's a different perspective not shooting it. But it, in a lot of ways, it's just as much fun or more because oh, you're, yeah. you don't have to worry about shooting or anything. You're just hanging out with your buddies. You know, for me, it's mostly talking trash to them while they're on the clock. But you know, that's just the way I do things. <laughs>
1: yeah, um, it is. It's a it's a different dynamic rowing You know, you don't have to worry about recovering your like getting back to your hotel or your trailer and recovering all your stuff and. You know, stressing about the next day, you can just
3: relax. Yes, yep, totally agree. I had to like plug my phone in, and then pass out. Yep. It was awesome. Um, I'm gonna head over to the lives real quick. I got a few of them. Uh, um, um, hold on, froze up. Prentice Wink, hello. Um, he said we're all awesome. I'm um, for him though. I'm working on it they'll be out tonight <laughs> uh richard luna richard i'm sorry i put you through that earlier having to watch that video on uh barrel threading <laughs> but uh he said for the lilies how do you manage competition between each other and how do you handle squatting together asking for his wife oh man what a good subject it
1: is it's a really good subject so there's there's probably going to be two parts to this <clears throat> um do you want to go first or do you want to
2: make it i think it's a uh... So, we do both. So, we squat together the majority of the time. Uh, every now and then, it is nice, however, to shoot separately. I think when Keely was starting out, um, there was, you know, we always squatted together so we could share gear, so I could help her out, kind of, you know, teach her as we go. But as Keely got better and better and better, I mean, she's been more than capable of shooting by herself for, you know, the last couple of years. Uh, every now and then it's nice to take a break from each other and shoot with new people. Plus that was another big part of why we love doing this is meeting new shooters and meeting new people. Yeah. Um, so I I really do enjoy shooting with Keely, but there is a certain amount of stress that comes with shooting with your spouse. I mean, it's just, it's no deniable, no matter how great your relationship
1: is. Yeah. So. It's um, and it, just like in anything, right. you, Any, any activity that you do together as a couple, you also have all of your marital history. So, you know, him saying, Hey, what happened on that stage is going to be completely different than if another one of our friends says, Hey, what happened on that stage? Right. To when, if he comes and says it to me, I'm going to be like, it's going to instantly make me mad. Like, what do you mean what happened on that stage? And it's going to set me off, right? You feed off of your, your spouses or your partner's emotions and how they're doing. Um, but we have, I mean, over time, we've just learned how to separate it. Sometimes we'll, we'll be in the same squad together and we almost don't talk to each other the whole day, just because we've learned how to, we do our own thing, you know.
2: Body language, reading body language is a big one and learning that sometimes the, the other person just needs their space. Like, um, exactly. I think I think when we really kind of broke through, um, cause I had been in the position of always teaching Keely, but she was at that point where she was growing and learning on her own and she kind of needed to break away from my teaching. When I, then I started asking like, hey, are you ready for some feedback? And when she said no, and I didn't, and I listened to her and didn't give it to her, that's when we really started to kind of click and be able to shoot together as a couple. So finding that space that each other needs, but it's amazing. Um, Like last year at Rock Lake, um, I finished tied for fourth uh, in a national level match, and Keeley was in my squad, able to share that experience with me the whole time and watch it and you know, and it was a really, really great moment for the family, you know, so. It was,
1: it was, it was a great time to watch him shoot so well, because it was one of the, you know, it was, you know, you hear people say it was a stacked, stacked competition, you know, Um, there's some, there really were so many great shooters at this match. And we had just come off of the Montana match in, in, yeah, the week before. And so I, but I was not having a good match at Rock Lake at all. Luckily our squad was really big. Mike was doing good. Um, But I I did have to separate myself from him because I knew that he would, you know, I was having seriously bad stages, like ones and twos, like very, very bad. And I distinctly remember there was one stage, I think I had zeroed it And, uh, he had, he was like five shooters ahead of me. He had moved on to the next stage and, uh, he's like, Hey babe, how'd you do? And I was like, super great. Just, it was awesome. And he kind of looked at me. Like
2: I knew she was lying like immediately, but I was like, okay, we're just gonna let that go. I need to
3: focus. But I,
1: yeah, I knew he was, he was really on fire and I didn't want to get into his head. And so it's taken a long time for that to evolve, but, um, it's we've we've figured it out and some of the things that have helped as well is, um you know we've started new hobbies enough times for him to know that I learned the basics quickly but it there's a certain point where I need to figure things out for myself and he can't mentor me anymore and so usually what he does is he'll be like hey can you you know mentor her or hey can you go tell her this
0: (laughs) yeah one of my favorite videos y'all did I think it was a barricade oh that was one of our
1: very first
0: videos it was so funny and she's like down there and mike's like hey next time try this and she's like what don't tell me what to do and then somebody else walks up and is like hey next time try this and she's like oh thanks so much i mean mean, it was joking but it was hilarious one of my questions was going to be how did it go with him teaching you and all of that but that i loved that video
1: oh that's so funny we you know that was like i said one of our first videos so you kind of kind of forgot about it but it's true like um i mean that's happened on a number of occasions with jesse Riddell and yeah. kevin ditto and scott and like just so many
2: <laughs> what we do now is somebody will come up to me after Kiwa Ke- keely's shooting and they say they'll tell me like hey she needs to do this And I will look right back at him and say, "Yeah, you should absolutely go tell her that." And I'll go the other way (laughs) 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 because it's just—it's better if she doesn't get the coaching for me anymore. And you know, if anything, we'll talk about it in the ride home. Mm -hmm. We'll integrate it into our next practice Mm -hmm. session. But during the heat of a match is not the time.
1: No, there are times that we'll come up to each other and say, "Hey, you know, what are you thinking about this?" You know, and ask for each other's advice. you know stage prep stage plan but
0: mm-hmm.
1: usually we wait until afterwards it takes a lot of um swallowing your pride to look back at all the mistakes that you made yeah and, and then talk about it and deconstruct it
2: and i think that another thing is just realizing that your spouse is different like everybody approaches a stage different everybody shoots different our body types are different the way we do things is different what works for me may not work for her so if i I'm always telling her you need to do it this way. I'm actually kind of hindering her growth because she's not figuring out what works for her. Okay. So, and I know that was a big breakthrough of my shooting when I stopped trying to copy what other people were doing. And every time I walk to a stage, I, I make my own plan and it's my plan. <clears throat> That's what I'm doing. I don't care what, you know, Jake Viver, John Pidge, whoever does, I'm doing my plan and I've, it's gone so much better.
0: I definitely think so. so. I took some girls from work shooting, uh, not precision, just to shoot pistols. And I brought an AR, which they were all like, an AR-15? Because um, they had not shot much. And so I took them and one of the ladies was saying, you know, yeah, my husband can shoot. But I told him, I don't need him teaching me. I just, that is not going to work out. Him telling me what to do is not going to work out well. And so I would rather you teach me. And I was like, I can do that. <laughs> it's so funny with the you know like you said all the history there of the marriage and then trying to put that behind you and listen with an open mind and not be like quit tell me what to do
1: right yeah, yeah. absolutely I mean, and you don't want to let your partner down like you know even yeah. though it's not a team event you don't want to let them down
0: yeah i think so what are the lives you got greg i saw aaron so- hip said get a tuner we already we got, have tuners.
2: We got. We're we're both running them now. Yeah.
0: yeah, I think that was back when we were talking about the group sizes. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, <laughs> it's like get a tuner. Yeah,
2: I, again, I keep trying to buy my way to success, and sometimes it just comes up short. Let's <laughs> see, I'm
3: I'm about to try and buy myself my way to success. I got I'm ordering another one tomorrow. I got one in for my center fire, and then shot a rim fire match, and I changed lots of ammo, and it kind of so yeah. Um, so first off, Sam Phelps said that all four of us need to go to the Wisconsin Barrelmaker Classic.
2: Actually, it's on the schedule as a potential. I'd really like to get up there. Um, it's an AG Cup match, and I really want to get up there and shoot it. I heard really great things about it last year. Uh, unfortunately, due to work and COVID, I couldn't make it last year. It's on the list for sure.
0: Sam, get me a GoFundMe for an airline ticket, and I might come. <laughs>
3: Sam, give me a couch to to crash on and I'm I'm good. Um, so Eric Lundberg says that she carries you because she brings the snacks to the matches.
2: That's not untrue. That's not untrue at all.
1: Yeah, for for those that have not ever shot with me or seen me at a match, um, I am I am the snack carrier and the and the cookie bringer. It's, it's that.
3: She brings cookies. All right, can we squad together in Wisconsin also? <laughs> I'm
2: 99% sure half of her batch bag is just
3: snacks. That's kind of the way mine is too. But I like, like, sometimes I don't want my snacks. Sometimes I could be kind of a child and like, I'll have like 19 different snacks and someone pulls out something I don't have. And I'm like, Oh, that's all I want right now.
1: It's like being in elementary school where you're like trading lunch, like things out of your lunchbox. We
3: mm-hmm.
2: you start trading, trading cookies for primers.
1: Oh yeah. I will send you some cookies if you send us some primers.
3: So- you know, No, definitely don't need the cookies, I'm good. (laughs) Uh, Rudy wants to know what your practice routine is like. Do you guys practice together, separate, with a trainer or not?
2: So we do have a trainer. Uh, It's a two-two-three caliber trainer and I run it without the brake, so I get a little more recoil out of it. Um, You know, I'm shooting the hard hitting six dashers so recoil's not really that big a deal anyway. (laughs) Uh Keely's trying six, she shot six Creed last year. Yeah. She'll probably shoot a little bit of that this year. And then
1: six GT. Yeah, you're
2: trying out six GT. Um, so we do practice a lot together. Um, and that's also kind of what helped uh, was the genesis of the YouTube channel was we were filming our practices so we could have go back and look at it and get feedback and kind of show the difference between what I was doing and what she was doing, because it's the hardest thing in the world is the self-critique when you're you know behind the gun. Um, and that kind of led to that. Uh, we, we got
1: the trigger cam.
2: Yeah, when, when we got the trigger cam, it really kind of took it to the next level because you, I was really shocked at the number of times I thought I broke the trigger here and I actually broke it there. And, you know, the video doesn't lie. Um, but back to our practice routines, um, we basically run a lot of barricade. Our home range only goes out to about 550 yards. Mm-hmm. So we work a lot of positional type stuff. Um, with the trainer. And then we have another spot we can go to to go play in the wind, kind of up in the mountains where the wind's a little uh, more and it's tricky. Um, This year, actually, one of our new videos coming out here in the next month or so is um, a concise practice routine using the least amount of ammo possible because everybody's scrounging for components right now. Um, A buddy of mine, Chris Way, started a project, uh, the craft rifle project, I think is what it's called. And he's got some, he's a really data-driven, analytical mind uh, with like a scientific background. And he's got these great Mm -hmm. targets that quantify your expected ability to hit a target. So uh, what you do is you shoot from different positions and you can analyze your target and can tell you like, so from the low kneeling, for example, you know, you can expect to hit a two MOA target and it can be shot at 100 yards so it's accessible for everybody so i think we're going to do a little video on that um we don't really shoot a lot i would say no we just try to do kind of meaningful purposeful practice and take lessons learned from matches whatever we struggled at Mm -hmm. with the match from you know the week before or whatever take that over and work on it at the next match
1: yeah mike really drives that you know he comes up with very intentional practice routines for us you know we don't <clears throat> we don't just show up to the range and shoot. We show up with intention, um, and that's for a couple of different reasons, you know. Um, but one of one of them is just to keep us on task because our time is short. We, you know, we are busy, busy people. So, and sometimes our range gets a little bit busy as well. So, yeah,
2: we, we have to shoot at a public range. We don't have our own <clears throat> land or anything like that. So, no,
1: that's hard to get in Washington the State. <laughs>
2: yeah. So yeah, it's definitely tough, especially, you know, I'm gone about 160 to 180 days a year every year. So trying to find a match schedule that works, It's the reason I didn't go to the PRS finale this year was I just, I was not available, so.
0: So that's y'all's training kind of routine. What advice would you give to a new shooter on training? If they're like, I just don't know what to do, or I don't know, where to start, or dry fire versus live fire?
2: I would say get a mentor. Um, get somebody who's successful and who can steer you in the right direction, because you're if you're not training with intention, you're basically just slinging rounds down a range. And yes, you can learn from trial and error, but the cost of it is pretty high. Um, time for me is my most valuable resource. So everywhere you're at in the country, there's I guarantee there's good shooters there that can mentor you and kind of, you know, take you through the motions. Um, I definitely recommend always starting off with good quality instruction from a reputable instructor.
1: Absolutely. And
2: generally that you can get practice routines from them. Um, Most of them are good about if you reach out to them after you've taken a class from them, Mm -hmm. they'll generally steer you in the right direction. Um, And then, I mean, not even new shooters, like we're going to go down to rifles only here in February. And we're going to take a class from Jacob Bynum um, yeah. just because it's it's a great refresher for us and he's such a good instructor
1: yeah and even you know a lot of the a lot of the shooting community is all connected on Facebook right you know or Instagram we're all on social media and so if you're unsure of what to do for a practice routine and you're a newer shooter you're you're a mid-pack shooter I mean I've had people message me that I thought were was on the same level as me saying hey what do you do for practice or what do you you know what do you think I should do in this situation and I'm like I don't feel like I'm qualified to do that but I'll answer your question and tell you what what my experience is
2: I think a lot of people are really intimidated to ask other shooters like hey what are you doing or like hey what do you recommend because it makes them you know feel kind of they're intimidated for lack of a better way to put it and I I think that you shouldn't hesitate, just reach out. And then there's resources out there. There's all kinds of stuff and you can get started on the right path instead of going, you know, 20 miles the wrong way and then having to come back and then, and then go the right way.
1: Right. And we've all been there. None of us has ever started out as an expert. And that's kind of, that's one of the reasons we're doing the YouTube channel is to show people that everybody starts somewhere and everybody has struggles and, Mm -hmm. Um, it's okay to reach out and ask for help I mean we've literally all been there all of us
3: yeah and that's one one cool thing about this sport is just so many people are always willing to help Um, you know I was really lucky when I got into it Um, you know Jen and I shot three gun in USPSA together so she kind of conned me into shooting my first gap grind with her Um, and then from there you know she'd only been in it for a year but she made friends with a lot of high level shooters and you know, they were the most helpful people in the world. You know, Regina, Ryan Hay, and everybody just would always take the time to help me out with any of the dumb questions I had. You know, I tried to do my research first and, but like, you know, you ask a gun question on the internet and uh, yeah, you know, everybody told me I needed, I needed 30-06 if I was going to shoot far away. It's the only thing that's with like, enough takedown power.
0: I can't remember who posted it, but one of the long-range groups, just like yesterday, I think, someone posted and said, I wish that there was a filter. There was a way to filter the answers and filter them by who has shot a match and who has never shot a match. He
3: posted that. I think, hey, I, was, I think it was Hey.
0: I thought it was somebody else.
3: Maybe maybe he reposted or maybe he commented on but I don't know, but that that's the, but the I most thought, true thing yeah, in the world. That's, uh, I want to
0: say it was Craig Arnson, but maybe it wasn't. I don't remember, but somebody posted that and I was like, that's so true. Because when people don't know, like I remember when I first got into this, I didn't know a lot of people. I mean, I knew, I didn't even really know Regina that well. we had had her on the show and that's how I got into PRS is because she was on the show. And then I kind of wanted to learn it, but she was all the way in Arizona. And so I didn't really know anybody here to ask questions of. And so I was like trying to muddle through and you, you know, you do ask something on the internet cause you don't have anybody to ask close by and i had not shot a match. So you ask and then you get all these answers and you're like, well, I don't know who to trust. And I got to where I literally have about, about three people that I will trust. Like, mm-hmm. and I'll, I might ask something and take everything with a grain of salt. And those three core people are like who I will go to and say, you know, what do you think about this? And really take their advice like serious.
2: Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of great information out there. I mean, literally the world is there at our fingertips. There's a lot of noise and stuff. <laughs> Sifting through that noise is tough. Mm-hmm.
3: Eric Lundberg says if they make that filter, he won't be able to comment on anything then.
0: <laughs> Go shoot <'em> a <laughs> match, Eric. Yeah.
3: But yeah, it, it was Craig that, that posted that.
0: I thought it was Craig. I thought I remembered that, but yeah, it was, it's very true. I, I think having valuable, um, good resources out there to help beginners like y'all do in the YouTube is very, very helpful. Um, I think it's funny too, sometimes on the internet, there's so, there's not a lot, but some people criticize like, like, I don't know if I feel like I am good enough to make a video yet. And people will be like, Well, they're making videos and they're mid-pack shooters, but you know, I really think there's a lot of knowledge. Like I have a lot of knowledge. I just can't execute it. I can teach somebody else and I know what I'm supposed to do. I'm just stubborn and I don't do it. So it's not that I have a lack of knowledge. There's a lot of things about fundamentals that I know, but I can't then produce it like I could take a dummy and like tell them what to do and have them do really really well and then I shoot the stage and I fall apart so maybe I'm a better teacher than shooter I don't know but uh I just think it's funny how some people get so caught up on well you're not winning matches so you can't do that and when, when I was doing three gun um I shot for carbon arms and He called me one day, he said, I want you to do a video on trigger control. And I was like, have you lost your mind? Have you seen my trigger control? And he's like, I want it to be relatable. And the people that get really, really good at trigger control aren't thinking about it anymore. And so they can't teach it. I know that you understand it. You still are struggling with executing it, but you understand it. And I want you to teach it at that level. And so I did a trigger control video and put it on their YouTube and all. And it got more, more people were like, thank you so much. I could really understand it more than, you know.
2: Yeah. And I, I think we don't take ourselves too seriously. Like we're totally okay with that. Like if somebody gets on there and comments that, you know, for every person that comments that or says that we get most of our interaction and comments in dms or texts kind of behind the scenes because they don't want to put themselves out there publicly but for every kind of negative like whatever it's always like thank you i've been terrified to ask that question you asked it for me thank you um and it's just again you can't take yourself too seriously and yet don't be afraid to put yourself out there
1: it's kind of like uh, and I'm hesitant to say this, but you have have you ever seen a dude who's like a four or five and he's with a woman who's a solid ten? And you look at that and you're like, <laughs> How did that happen? <laughs> and that happened because that dude who was a four or five had the confidence to just ask, Hey hey, do you wanna go out with me? And she's like, Yeah, okay. And then and then it goes on from there, right?
2: That is not the story of how we met, but I'm sure it's <laughs>
0: Fun. <laughs> I was waiting to hear comic came out of uh, Good quality stuff right there. <laughs> That's hilarious. I I love her analogy. Yeah. <laughs> oh my word, how can we get back on track? Okay. Um so talking about helping new shooters sure. how important do you think it is to get new shooters into the sport i mean I, like i know i have my opinions and i kind of preach it from my soapbox about getting new shooters into the sport but how important do you feel it is to keeping the sport alive and how can we all help bring more people into the sport
2: in my opinion it's everything um and i've i've had a lot of these conversations with you know guys at the bottom of the pack all the way to the, the Top guys in the nation. And, um, you know, I th- feel like our sport is really at a crossroads. Like we've, we've outgrown the grassroots stuff. There's a lot of prizes, there's a lot of money out there. There's, you know, some pretty big sponsorships out there. But we're not like the PGA tour either, where guys can go out and, you know, make millions of dollars just shooting. Um, I think that there's a, a group of people that want to get there, but you are never going to get there unless the sport gets huge. So you need new shooters. You need to bring people into the sport. The more people you bring into the sport, the better it is for everybody. Um, at the PRS finale, I think it was two years ago, Tom Fuller gave a speech um, at the banquet dinner mm-hmm. and he talked about a rising tide raises all boats. And it's it's 100% true. Um, even if you look at the growth we've experienced since I came in three or four years ago, uh, the quality of the equipment has grown tremendously. Yeah. The ability of the shooters have grown just massively because of information and the sport has grown and it's gotten better, which has forced everybody else to get better. I think that if you were to take a mid-pack shooter, so I don't know, how, what's the biggest match we had this year, like 300-some shooters? If you take the mid-pack shooter, the guy who's finished 150th, and you take him to one of those PRS events 10 years ago, I bet he's in the top 20. I bet he or she is right there with the top because we've just grown in advance so much and everybody's getting so much better. Mm -hmm. And we're seeing guys coming into the sport, you know, we haven't, again, we haven't been in that long, but we're seeing guys come in after us, two, three years after us, and they're just shooting right to the top.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Where did this person
0: come from? Yeah. Adam Robinson.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Great example. Uh, You know, like Allison Zane. That mm-hmm. tiny little killer out of nowhere just started crushing everybody's <laughs> souls and like the sky's the limit for her. Um, so again, yeah, great person too, we, we enjoyed meeting her and her dad. But I think that the, the broader your base is, the higher the peak you can get, if you, if that makes sense, if that analogy of like- that, that
3: makes amazing sense.
2: So yeah, I think new shooters are everything. And I think that if you, love this sport or you know if you have like a an idea of this sport growing and becoming this professional type thing if you're not spending a, a significant amount of your energy to growing the sport and bringing in new shooters you're hurting yourself
1: mm-hmm. i i agree and uh you know there's been a couple of times where um so our local match that got us into this sport um we're, we're struggling with it right now due to covid but our local match put more new shooters into the national into the national level than probably any other club in, I mean, a lot of the West Coast.
2: Just because of their proximity to population.
1: That and you know, I feel like we were, were really accessible. We had some really great shooters coming to our match a lot, and fostering that new growth. And I. Personally, I enjoy doing it. I love meeting new people. Um, I, Mike's detriment, um, I will talk to anybody at a national match. Um, <laughs> I will literally anybody. Like, say
2: um, you really have to go to the next stage. Like, I understand that's your best friend, but like the entire squad is left. With.
1: But, <laughs> but people people remember when you're kind to them, and people remember the way that you treat them. And if they feel welcome, they're likely to come back. And I may not remember your name the next time that I see you, but I'll probably remember your face. And you're gonna come and say hello to me and say, you know, hey, I've really enjoyed shooting with you. Or, you know, that's my hope is that they come back because they felt like they were welcome. Not like you know, even if they are a brand new shooter and they asked a million questions, they didn't feel like they were a tick, you know, stuck on mm-hmm. something that they wanted
2: and those new shooters are the people buying rifles buying scopes supporting mm-hmm. the industry giving back to it, um, the sport like that's that's your economy like nobody's you know when you talk to the guys at the top they're generally not spending a bunch of money buying stuff because they're all sponsored and it's given to them the new shooters and the mid-pack shooters are what is economically driving the sport
3: Agreed. So, uh, I want to run over to a couple lives real quick, um, kind of pertaining to getting new shooters into the sport. Um, someone over here, um, Joey asks, "How do we get new shooters into the sport when supplies are near impossible to find?" Um, and some of the answers that have been given up a lot. A lot of answers saying, "You know, get into the 22s Because I was actually talking with Prentice right before this, and you know, we kind of came to the conclusion that to shoot, you know, it's a lot easier to find our hundred and fifty dollar brick precision twenty two ammo than it is to find a a single primer or a, a box of six mil projectiles, something like that. Um, what are y'all's thoughts on trying to get new shooters into the sport when it's impossible to find anything? That's super tough.
1: Yeah, that's that's a hard question. I mean, it's really interesting that the the tide has shifted to twenty two rim fire you know because what what was it five or six years ago there was a twenty two shortage you could not mm-hmm. twenty two anywhere at all. Um but the twenty two league is really exploding and people you know are getting into it um because it's it's cheap, you know it's accessible it's you can accessible. do it in, you don't
2: need a lot of land to shoot it. It's I think it's a fantastic idea. Whoever suggested the twenty twos that's that, that's a really great suggestion. Another thing like we talked about is just, uh, you know, maybe go RO a match, um, see what it's all about Mm -hmm. before you start investing money. And the the other thing is, uh, generally I find people that either don't RO match, aren't around the sport or don't get instruction. They typically spend money and then they regret the money they spent Mm -hmm. and they have to go back and revive other stuff. I
1: agree. And then usually, you know, uh, who was it? Marshawn, RO'd a ton of matches. Um, we have a good uh, friend, Marshawn Hofrood. She RO'd a bunch of matches, and uh, before she started shooting, but it, ROing gets gets you in the door. People remember you when you come out again. More than likely, an experienced shooter is going to say, "Hey, do you you know? Oh, you've never shot a match. Do you want to get behind my gun and, and shoot a few rounds so if they've got some left?" Right? Mm-hmm.
2: Um, I think she through her ROing and RO prize table walks was yep. able to kind of start cobbling together she her did.
1: first
2: rifle yep. um so that helped out significantly
3: yeah that, that's real similar to what i did you know i i RO'd one match and uh phil cashman was really awesome and like really hooked up our ro's and you know i started out with a well you know i'm poor i'm not spending nine thousand dollars on a rifle you know i'm gonna start out with this three hundred dollar remington 700 that works surprisingly well but you know i, I started off and you know with what he hooked us up with from the match, I was able to make that rifle match ready. Um, definitely learned a lot watching everybody shoot, watching mistakes people made. Um, you know, met a lot of people that weekend, so it was a it was huge to you know get me ready to go. I learned a lot about what gear was good, what gear was bad. Um, <laughs> Chad Glasscock that asked how to RO, how do you sign up to RO a match. I would say ask Chad Glasscock because he probably knows the second most about that out of all of our
2: viewers right now. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Chad needs to get out shoot.
0: Yep. <laughs> we talk about the, um, talking about Marshawn, she's a huge uh, lobbyist and, and active in the politics of it. And I think that's another reason to, you know, get new shooters into it. Just like when I took the girls shooting on Saturday, they wanted to go and shoot pistols because they want to learn how to carry a gun, you know, and so we did that. But then I was like, I brought this AR-15 for y'all to shoot. And they were like, what? And one of them was like, it's going to hurt my shoulder. I was like, no, it won't. And I said, I promise it's going to be the most fun. Like, it's the most fun you can have your clothes on, I promise. And so they uh, shot it and they all loved it. Like, And they were like, that's an AR-15? It's just the lack of knowledge there on what our guns are, you know, rifles, people see rifles and they're like, oh, that's, you know, whatever, and automatically think badly of it. And so I think the more we can expose people that are not around guns a lot to guns in a good light and how they can be good and, you know, I think that's another huge reason to try and get, um, you know, children, and that was one of the questions I had for you, Keely, is, um, you know, we're all passionate about getting more women into it, so, you know, how do you think we can get more women into this sport?
1: Well, it's, you know, I I get this question a lot, and um, I, that one is right up there with, how do I get my wife to come to the range with me, I love seeing you guys like how do i how do I get my wife to do it with me? You know, we've kind of already gone through the shooting with your spouse thing. Um, but it's again, fostering a, a welcoming environment and taking the fear out of shooting the rifle, right? So where we live in Western Washington, it's incredibly uh, incredibly liberal, like gun hating people everywhere, right? So, And again, I'm a friendly person, not just at matches, but everywhere, like the coffee shop I go to, the grocery store I go to, um, the places that I frequent, the people know me there because I'm friendly. And, you know, you end up striking up these conversations and you talk about, Oh, what are you doing this weekend? Oh, well, I'm going to go, I'm going to go shoot a rifle match. And people are shocked. Oh, you do that? Oh, do you have pictures? Yep. I sure do. And I show them, you know, my rifle and I talk about it and it, what I get a lot is that rifle is so big. Doesn't it hurt you when you shoot it? Nope, it doesn't. It's, you know, there's, don't be afraid to shoot it. Oh, I could never do that. Absolutely. You, could. you absolutely could just because you're a woman doesn't mean that you can't shoot a gun as well as a man. And there are so many, women and young ladies in the sport that are proving that by whipping so many men's butts
0: I mean Allison Zane won an entire
1: I know she's killing it um
2: I think a lot of people don't I think if you talk to a lot of professional instructors they will tell you that women are typically mm-hmm. better shots than men initially because they listen and they applaud
1: right yep and as as far as bringing more women into it um you know you just have to be in my opinion be friendly about it be open about it but the other thing that comes into this and this is my own personal thing that i dealt with um i didn't realize that i was as competitive as i am until i was doing precision rifle and you know there's um shows like the bachelorette or the bachelor where you have these women that are catty and they're fighting over stuff and they can't get along. And I, I think that in our sport, we're not like that. And I think that a lot of women have a bad taste in their mouth about being around other women in the sport. And so for me personally, I had to set aside any competitiveness and just, um, bring out my friendliness and, and say, you know what, why don't you come to come to the range with me and not be afraid to approach other women when I saw them in the gun store. I, I did that with, um, her name is Rachel at a gun store. I just went up to her. She wasn't getting a lot of help uh, from a man behind the gun counter. And I was like, hey, you know, I've been in your position. Do you, you know, what are you carrying? You know, do you shoot a lot? Is this your first time? Do you wanna go to the range together? Um, so that's, I mean, that's a long way to say, be friendly, be a ask, good role model. Be a good role model
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, ask your, ask your women friends to come to the, come to the range with you and say, Hey, you really might like this.
0: I do think the ladies in PRS are very, very supportive of each other. And I often I'll tell the guys whenever we're at a match and they're and I'm like, y'all talk about girls having drama. Like the women in PRS have zero drama. We are not dramatic at all. We are all, like, rooting each other on, and then the dudes are over there, like, all this drama, and I'm like, guys, really? Come on. This is a game. Like, get over it.
1: Right? Exactly. The women are way, way nicer and more supportive of
0: each other than the men. The men are so much more catty. There's so much
1: drama. It's so... (laughs) so much drama. And we have our little women's Facebook Facebook Precision Rifle Ladies group and we're like, "Do you guys see this drama? These
0: guys are so dumb." Yeah. <laughs> we do. We talk about y'all for being stupid.
3: I was about to say I <clears throat> I've been at matches staying in a house with all females and I that's pretty much the truth. They're like, "You know, these guys are bitching about this, these guys are bitching about that." It's it's real funny to watch. PRS is like high school with long guns. Sometimes Eric said. (laughs) Oh
0: yeah, that's true. true. Um, I had another thought, and I can't remember what it was. One of when I went Saturday and took the girls shooting, one that had never shot a gun before. She was like, "This is empowering." (laughs) (laughs) It was awesome. (laughs) I loved it. So, let's talk about gear for a minute. What are some of your key things in your gear bag and on your rifle? And what are some of your favorites? Just talk about some of your gear a little bit. I'll let you
1: go. Okay. So, <laughs> thanks. Um, so, in my bag, I now I did a YouTube video about what's in my bag. Um, so, some of my favorite things in my pack, in my match pack, are number one is snacks. I always have snacks with me. Um, for two reasons, I'm a snacky person. I am like an every two and a half hour eater. And <laughs> right before the show started, I made myself some toast, and Mike was like, hey, "Like we're about to start. Like, <laughs> are you sure you can't wait?" And I'm like, "No, I can't. I can't wait." So snacks is number one.
3: See, me and her can <laughs> be friends. Yeah we're, yeah, we're definitely friends. Are we friends now?
1: We can be friends. We're right, definitely cool. friends. Yeah. Um, so as far as like unusual things, you know, things outside of my binos um, and typical things, I would say I have a, a nail kit in my bag and I started carrying a nail kit in my bag when I was shooting USPSA um, because my fingernails would dig into the palm of my hand. But also, um, yeah, it was awful. Um, but also... We were living in Tennessee at the time, and um, there's ticks. There's ticks in Tennessee, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I get a tick out. Need a so that's my my second favorite thing. And I would say I've lent um, some things in that nail kit to people more times than I can count. Um, well, I don't know. so are, are we
2: else? talking like equipment we use, or just like outside of the normal stuff?
3: So just kind of what's your favorite, whether it's something unique or just like, hey, guys, like for, you know, for me, I could say my Vortex Razor HD binos, like they're just freaking awesome. And it's amazing that I could see that clear out of any pair of binos. But then like something different that I carry, I have I found the teeniest, tiniest little roll of Teflon tape. It's about this big Um, because every time when you're in the middle of a match and you hear someone yell, who's got Loctite because somebody something keeps coming loose, you uh, Loctite does not work instantly. You put Loctite on, you let it sit for a couple hours. Yep. But if your bolt knob keeps coming off, and you wrap some Teflon tape around those threads, and you screw your bolt knob back on, it's going to stay on for the rest of the match. So when you get home, you Loctite Loctite it together.
2: Yeah. That's actually really good. That's a really good tip. I think a unique thing, especially currently um, up here in the Northwest and then where we shoot, you know, Idaho, Montana, Wyoming, Utah. Uh, it's pretty darn cold, and my favorite thing right now is my heated vest.
1: Oh yeah, that's
3: yeah. Oh, you're on Jen's level there.
1: Yeah.
2: yeah. I, so uh, I got turned on to the heated vest um, from Jesse Rudell. Jesse and Kate,
1: yeah. And
2: I thought I was shivering. I was, I couldn't even shoot. I was so cold at a match um, out at Rock Lake, which is Doug Gorefield's spot. He holds a PRS match and an RO match up there every year. And he's like, "Dude, how do you not have a heated vest?" He said it like it was the most. <laughs> in the world and I was like what are you talking about and he showed me and I was like we need
0: these yeah
1: and I got them I got them for both of us in fact Jen I think I sent you a video uh yeah when I got them last year because they they are so so great <laughs> it's amazing it's such a lifesaver because I
0: think that I see Mike somewhere with it or and you were like yeah Keely has this one and I was like what size did you get you know <laughs> I can't remember I uh, was at that-
1: I think there might have been a, the K&M match last year. No. To, no, Was no. it the NRL championship, maybe?
0: No. Um, I wasn't at that. I don't know. That I saw you somewhere in it, and you were like, yeah, Keely it, has the same one.
2: It was the PRS championship. PRS championship. That's yep. what it was. Yep. In December, down in Tennessee. That's what it was exactly. But yeah, it's amazing. Highly recommend. Yep. Um, because if you're cold and miserable or hungry, you're not going to shoot
1: it. Yep. I yeah. mean, Basic
0: needs I to be met. Basic needs.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Yep. I say people think that Jen's really weird having hers in uh, here in Georgia, but apparently some people like it. Eric just said after ROing mammoth with Jen, he started shopping for one.
2: Oh, yeah, they're amazing. Yes. So I think you
0: know- Eric was jealous because I could fall asleep in mine. while well, everybody else was cold, and he has pictures of me falling mm-hmm. asleep.
2: I think as far as, like, rifles go, uh, Keely and I are both set up essentially yeah. identical. Yeah. Um, and we love all the equipment we're running. Uh, we wouldn't be running it otherwise.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, you know, I don't want to get on here and sound like a, a little board or, 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 like, anything.
1: your video. Yeah, exactly. to so sound like
2: a, yeah, how yeah. to sound like a pro shooter. Yeah.
1: Um,
2: but yeah, so
1: uh,
2: <laughs> I think everybody knows what we run. If you go on any of our social media stuff, you're going to see it all the time, and every one of our sponsors and everything we run has been fantastic. I have no, no big wants right now other than a good set of
1: range-finding Yeah,
0: Me too. Me very. <laughs> That's what I need too. That's actually exactly what I need. We um, have some little baby binos that everybody makes fun of.
3: Dainty. They're dainty.
0: But then when they need to find a target, they look through them. And I'm like, are you making, are you looking at my binos you made fun of? And they're like.
2: So our, one of our goals this year for 2021 is to start shooting those NRL hunter matches. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit different format. And uh, range finding binos are going to be super
1: critical to that. Yes. Yep. Yeah.
3: Let's see. A while, speaking of different kinds of matches, uh, Sean Murphy asked a while ago, are you guys uh, training for Mammoth for 2022? Oh,
1: Sean.
2: So uh, I have been approached about shooting Mammoth as well as the Sniper Adventure Challenge. Um, kind of waiting to see if I can fit it into the schedule. Uh, again, Chris Way, who's an absolute animal physically, Um somebody we're, we're talking about getting together and shooting some team matches, but haven't finalized
1: everything yet. Yeah, we have uh yeah, and our our schedule our schedule's getting pretty full. Pretty full. at work. Big year-long calendar um with all the matches potential matches
3: up on it. So See, I've I've done that for the past 2 years. I need I need to get down and get started for this year cuz I'm drastically falling behind. If you do end up shooting Mammoth, let me know if it's a whopping 11 minutes from my house. So, oh, wow. so you,
2: Yeah. I, so, Sean and his partner, Greg, have got quite the resume put together on winning team matches. So, mm-hmm. maybe I need to get with Chris. Maybe we need to get them around in the time.
3: to say, I think they're doing like a, a, a training too sometime.
1: Yeah, I think I saw they, they posted that up. They're going to do a training course. That
2: would be awesome to attend, see how they're doing things. Because team matches are a whole different dynamic. We get asked all the time, like, "Are you guys going to shoot team matches no. together?" And it's no, hard no, hard nope. no. Yeah, our relationship does not need that kind of stress.
0: No, I <laughs> think <laughs> it would be a matter of who's coming out alive.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I, I predict we would last one match,
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> maybe like
1: two stages.
0: Yeah, I was thinking one night of one match, and it would be over.
3: <laughs> yep. I'm going to the truck. I'll see you when it's over.
1: Yeah,
0: you finish.
1: Yeah. I'll see you later. Oh <laughs> no,
3: never. So, what are your what other goals do you guys have for 2021? Both for yourselves individually, as well as your uh, YouTube channel. You go first. Okay.
1: So.
2: Uh, last year, I shot one AG Cup match uh, with the intent of doing the AG Cup last year, and then um, had a really good finish, uh, top 10 in an AG Cup match, and then work just kind of crapped all over my schedule, and I wasn't able to, to go, and I was uh, deployed um, overseas for the AG Cup and the PRS finale, so I missed both of those. Uh, With the NRL moving their season around, which I actually really like that their championship is in the spring, early summer, because it opens up so many other locations, Um, like say Montana in the summer is amazing if you, you know, if you haven't been out there Uh, and I'm tired of being cold at championships, actually. True. (laughs) But so I wanted to shoot the uh, the NRL championship in May. I want to shoot the NRL Hunter series and that championship. Uh, And I want to shoot the AG Cup and the PRS finale this year. So it's some some ambitious um, goals. It's a lot of matches and a lot of travel. Unfortunately, where we live to shoot any sort of PRS thing, I'm pretty much guaranteed to be getting on a plane.
1: Three times. Um, Yeah,
2: exactly. Uh, So, um, you know, I, I really want to do that. And I have some goals for placement as well.
1: So, um, as far as me, I you know I'm a mid-pack shooter, and I've had some um, some really great performances last year. I had had some personal bests, and so um, as far as my my goals, I'm gonna compete in uh, NRL and then the NRL Hunter. Um, I might do a team match uh, with Marshawn this year. We're trying to coordinate it. Um, we're gonna see how it goes. She's been asking me for the last three years to do it, and it's just never lined up. So. Maybe, maybe this year, um, but you know, my goal is to just continue to, to grow on a steady path. Um, i you know, I'm, I don't want to like jump to number one. That's not, that's not my goal. I want to be consistent in my shooting and my competing um, and make everything repeatable and just continue to learn. And then, you know, foster new people into the sport.
0: Y'all have have goals for the actual YouTube channel? Things you definitely want to get out there this year?
2: I mean we definitely have some videos we're we're trying to make. Uh, We we run a list. I think this year you're going to see us um, go reaching out to experts in their field. Scott Satterley was the first kind of one of that um, era with his reloading. Um, You know he is a very knowledgeable he's quoted a lot uh you know the satterley method has for low development has been around for a long time and he's actually changed it which is why we thought well, we should put it out there that you yeah. change it because a lot of people are saying they're doing the satterley method and it's not what you do <laughs> and he's like yeah i know so yeah. that's what i kind of did that um so we're going to start doing that obviously traveling all over the country mm-hmm. again filming and sharing i don't think we have any goals like we want to hit you know x number of people or whatever we just want to continue to share and grow the journey and then listen to the feedback that people are giving us and kind of
1: and then keep keep giving yeah. keep giving back
2: yeah again we're not we'll
1: never make you know we're our goal isn't to like be rich from youtube which will never happen because mm-hmm. of the youtube's monetization works but you know it's you know we have friends and family that live all over the world and they're curious and you know we have friends and family in this community and if we can use YouTube as an outlet to share and then you know help other people along the way then then that's what we want to do.
3: Yeah that that's really awesome goals I mean for us we have a monstrous following you know we got like 18,000 on YouTube what is it almost 50,000 on Facebook or 60,000 on Facebook, but like we, we make no money, but it's just awesome to be able to, you know, put new shooters and, you know, just shooters in general have them be able to interact with, with everybody in the industry, you know, to be able to put, you know, Brian Litz on here and somebody types in a question and he answers it live. Like that's just an awesome thing. And it's great to have the ability to do that and to be able to help out all the new shooters and, you know, get people the, the information they need, get companies exposed to shooters, shooters exposed to companies, shooters exposed to other shooters. Um, so it's really awesome to have other people working together to kind of try and, you know, bring everybody together and share the the wealth of knowledge. Absolutely. Yeah. All
0: of what are your first matches for the year? For- so-
2: Yeah, rifles Rifles only. only. It's an NRL match in mid-February. And then after that, the schedule is busy, (laughs) but it's a little bit gray right now because of the way work is working. And so we've got everything on there. And uh, the reason we do our year-long calendar and dry erase is so we can (laughs) (laughs) erase. Every year we have these plans, and we set out these matches, and it almost ends up like the exact opposite. think i'll change in my schedule and we'll have to we'll have to redo everything um i think the after that we're looking at probably california i think there's a prs match down there i'm trying to get down to idaho idaho's in there in, in march um and then i think in July like may i definitely want to get to KM this mm-hmm. year um i paid for it last year and they were good enough to roll it over to the next year because i couldn't make it due to covid um and then i think july is going to be a super busy month
1: yeah june and i think june and july i was looking at it and i was like i may just need to take the summer quarter off of school because it's so he was like yeah we may just need to take that whole month and just do nothing and just travel to matches and
2: for us it's about like efficient economy of motion with road trips like there's two or three matches in colorado around the same time frame and then you know, I was like, well, I could go to Colorado for these three matches and then fly up to Wisconsin to the Barrelmaker Classic and then come back and then we'll shoot the NRL Hunter Championship and she's I'm writing all this stuff up there and,
1: and he's talking through it now. I'm right. looking at him with the...
2: <laughs> she's just got this horrified look of like, you understand that like, we, we have a home that we have to come back to occasionally, right? So that, yeah.
1: <laughs> like,
3: that, that sounds absolutely awesome because like one of the things, you know, I haven't traveled as far as, you know, well, doesn't you guys don't have to travel far you guys are in like the beautiful west so everywhere you guys are shooting is awesome but like for me that's like one of my goals is to get out west someplace shoot some some of these crazy matches that i, I hear everybody talking about yeah. but um you know I, I i realize even like i'll go to some pretty cool places but like literally drive to train up day shoot train up day go back to the airbnb prep you know and at the end of the match drive eight hours home sleep for like 10 minutes go to work in the morning but it would be awesome to kind of plan a tour over a couple of weeks, you know, get a rental car, drive around, see some stuff.
2: I definitely want to do some East Coast matches this year. I uh, definitely want to do KM. I'm trying to get out to war. Um, and, but I, again, it's it's all kind of up in the air with schedule. Um, I definitely want to get some PRS matches in the studio.
1: We do actually. So you're talking about. Um... We we have to travel actually quite a bit. Our closest national match is five hours away, so
3: exactly um, the same here. Yeah, we we
2: have one in our
1: state, one, and then
2: the states out here are pretty big.
1: Yeah, there's nothing in Oregon. There's one one match in Idaho, uh, or there's a couple of matches in Idaho, but then um, we're looking at Montana, which is like a you know twelve hour drive, nine nine hour drive for us. Mm-hmm. So, well, that's just the western. Yes, yeah, yeah. exactly yeah. right. Tennessee. Yeah.
2: So, a lot of flying for me this year, and uh, I think a lot of road trips with Keely and, and Camper. And, and
3: all
1: yeah, we did, we bought a tow behind trailer specifically for precision rifle matches.
3: I want to so bad.
1: They're so nice. It's so nice to just kind of wake up and be at the match location mm-hmm. and not have to drive 45 minutes out to somebody's ranch or you know whatever it is. You, just, you wake up, you make breakfast, and then you walk out the door, and it's great.
0: And during arbitration, go take a shower? Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yes.
2: I think if we were independently wealthy, we would just have a massive RV, and we would yeah. just travel the country shooting matches
3: that would be like the most amazing thing in the world like that that's my retirement plan i think when i retire i'm gonna come up with some sort of little business that will kind of run itself buy an rv and just like drive around hang out with my friends at matches
1: yep that's i mean that's on the list of things
2: but we're gonna have to retire with
0: a lot more money in the bank
2: because that is not a cheap lifestyle
3: yeah (laughs)
0: Is PRS a cheap lifestyle?
3: No. No, no, it is not.
0: I feel like NRL and PRS is not cheap.
3: It's nothing cheap
2: about precision rifle. And travel is super expensive. I'm just hoping it mm-hmm. kind of calms down with this whole COVID kind of thing and start being able to travel more freely.
1: I'd like the plane ticket prices to stay about the same though. Like they're, sure. they're pretty good right now.
0: They are pretty good. It's still, like the Prices don't look that bad. Then you got to add two bags because you got to have a rifle and you got to have clothes. Then you got to have parking at the airport and a rental car. Yep. It all adds up. Mm -hmm. Adds up so fast. So fast. It's like, wow, that $100 plane ticket turned into like $500.
1: (laughs) Yeah.
2: How did that happen? All these guys are like, I want to get my wife into precision rifle. Like, that's a great thing. Just be careful because it's expensive. Yep. I love it.
3: So you guys said before that you guys have gotten into other other hobbies together. What were your other hobbies before Precision Rifle?
1: There we <laughs> most of them we've abandoned. So let's start with the the very first one Mike introduced me to when we were dating is golf.
2: I said.
1: Which he still plays. I was a but I don't.
2: Highly competitive golfer and uh, I don't know how to
1: not be a competitive person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So golf mountain bikes, snowboarding, camping and hiking. I feel like there was, oh, for a while, we were doing, like, off-road jeep stuff.
3: Fun stuff, fun stuff.
1: And then um, USPSA, free gun. I do think there's another one. Now it's YouTube. Guns
3: and yeah. YouTube. <laughs> Guns on YouTube. Say, I've, I've had most of those hobbies but yeah pretty much like with how precision rifles kind of consumed my life it's like yeah I, I think that I shot a pistol once last year
1: mm-hmm.
3: which is really bad like the whole point of USPSA was like you know train get used to the pistol and everything and I'm hoping it's just kind of ingrained now because I don't really remember and then you know my my hardcore off-road truck has turned into a drive-to-match truck it got really muddy last weekend, though. We the, the match I shot was at a, like, this one side of the sign said mud run, and the other side said rifle range. And I think the mud run was actually the road in. Hmm. So at least it looks like I still do the off-road stuff if you look at my truck right now, but really I was just driving to a match. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Muddy trucks are great. It makes
0: you feel like you use them appropriately. Mm-hmm. That's like guns that don't have scratches on them are a travesty. They should be used.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mike was worried when I wanted to paint my chassis white. Um, he was like, "Yeah, but it's going to get dirty." And I'm like, "Yeah, but guns are supposed to get dirty. It's going to be fine, and it's got plenty of scratches and dirt, and it's that just fine." Well, actually. <laughs>
0: it has all- Do we have any more lives?
3: Uh Wade wanted to know who all's going to Cool Acres this weekend. Um <laughs> Sean wants to know if you scratched his gun. Mm,
2: that's a good question.
0: How would you know? It already had scratches. <laughs> it looks pretty good. There might be one right there. Maybe.
3: What was that there when he gave it to you?
0: I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. You can't prove anything, Sean. There is no proof.
3: Yeah. Wade, I'll see you on Saturday at Cool Acres. Do you got you got bullets for that thing?
0: I'm not going Saturday. I already told you I'm not going Saturday.
3: No, you said maybe, so I was just asking you again.
0: No, I'm not going.
3: Okay. Jennifer's not cool enough to hang out with us on Saturday. Sorry, Wade. But uh yeah, that's all that's all we got on the live.
0: All right. Well, I think we can wind it down to shout outs. We'll start with you, Greg.
3: I have GSL suppressors. This beautiful little thingy right here finally got out of jail. It's been sitting at uh, Classic Jewelry and Loan in Thompson, Georgia for about five months. But the ATF finally granted me my right to have my little muffler on the end of my, my wee little 22 pew pew. Um, shooters and Sharpshooters of Augusta, our local indoor and outdoor range. It's a great place to bring your female co-workers to teach them how to shoot AR-15s or you know, do some load development or whatever else you want. Uh, PDC Custom for the most beautiful rifle chassis known to man right here. They're available in lime green and other normal human colors. Um, shooter's World powder, they have it in stock all over the place. I saw today, Midway USA just got a big shipment in. Of course, if you go by Shooter's here in Augusta, um, they pretty much always have every powder made by them in stock as well. Uh, Hunter's HD Gold, I'm blind. However, I don't require bifocals, but they have prescription lenses. They got that like real cool HD type lens, so I could actually see stuff with those glasses on. And Bortech, because apparently you're supposed to clean these things. They shoot a lot better after you do.
0: All right. What do y'all have for shout outs? All right. So
2: all our, we want to thank all our sponsors um, with from MDT Sawtooth Rifles, Night Force, and Sean have been great to us. Uh, Lone Peak Arms, you know, fantastic action we've been running. Uh, Trigger Tech. Tom Fuller down at Armageddon here. Um, probably my one piece that I can't go to a match. There's two things I can't go to a match without, and that's Kestrel and my game changer.
1: Yeah, um, sure. and then
2: Proof Research, obviously and fantastic barrels for us. Uh, I want to thank everybody that's watched one of our videos, yeah. um, and especially the guys that have given us feedback because that's what keeps us going. Yeah. Uh, all those messages of like this helped me or that that helped me, or, you know, thanks for making that video or Thanks for showing that disaster stage. Oh
1: man, yeah. So
2: yeah, definitely want to thank everybody out there, and uh, just yeah, I'm just looking forward to seeing everybody out there. Yeah, a
1: sure? couple of other shout outs. Um, Prime ammunition. Uh, I've been shooting Prime for two years now, and I recently uh, I'll do a little mini flex. Uh, got my got my ammo shipment in, and I am so excited about that. Um, and then Trigger Cam. Who has provided an invaluable tool for us to be able to make the YouTube videos that we make? Um, we are long range with the lilies. It's L I L L Y S. No
2: apostrophes because my grammar is terrible when I set up the channel. <laughs> <That's right. laughs>
3: so, so we were we were talking about how me and Jen got on to do the show notes. So we, we use Google Drive at the same time. So you know, I see a little Jennifer's typing here. Greg is typing here. I started on the notes and all of a sudden I see it go right in between, right there on the lilies and she added the apostrophe and I was just like, I did it the way their channel said it.
0: I don't care, I did it the right way. I went through it and changed about four grammatical errors that I was like, I cannot look at this anymore. I have got to change these.
1: So I'm really big in, uh, on, on grammar, but when you're pluralizing somebody's last name, there's never an apostrophe. No. It doesn't matter. So it is L-I-L-L-Y-S, no apostrophe. Made the squiggly
0: line underneath of the Word document go away, though.
1: I know, I, I know. And while I always wonder if it should be L-I-L-L-I-E-S, which I don't know. No, because it's not in my last
0: name. But that's name. not our last name. Right, so. Yeah. It's no. one lily, but two lilies.
1: Yeah. Exactly. exactly.
0: So does that make it b-i-e-s
1: right and if you
2: do either one it'll show up though we did hear about
1: that. yeah
0: yeah so, <laughs> right, we'll show all
3: right up. so y'all i i went to google and typed in plural pluralizing and the first thing that comes up pluralizing last names
1: yep number one thing and that's i think christmas is still you know not that far
3: all right marion webster has will has go there
1: is every year something pops up on my feed this is how you pluralize your last name because people are signing cards from the lilies some people have hard to pluralize last name
0: that is funny
1: yep
0: or you could just say from the lily family
1: and that's well that's usually what we do
0: and then you would not have to worry about it yeah Yep. work smarter not harder yeah.
3: jen i'm just going to go ahead and say my grammar was right and yours was wrong according to marion webster
0: i am glad that you care i however do not <laughs> all i cared about was that squiggly line went away on the word document that i was having to stare at and greg i just wanted to point
2: out that i think the rifle behind jen that chassis is the sexiest chassis in oh, i'm not i'm not sure there. It's cute. Like like
1: Yours looks like, uh, I like the color. It reminds me of lime sherbet.
0: I might would get me one of these instead of just having to borrow Sean's, except I'm broke. But
1: yeah. It is. It is true.
0: It is. Like, he texted me and was like, I'm glad to see my rifle still behind you and hasn't been pawned yet. And I'm like, oh no, it (laughs) looks good behind me. It's not going anywhere. It's not going to your house either. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. <laughs> what?
3: Jen still speaks in Old English. That's what she learned going to school in the 1700s. Oh.
0: Was that the kid? Who wrote that?
3: I'm not going to say. I'm going
0: to be nice. Who wrote it?
1: I bet you can go back on the Facebook Live later.
0: And I'll be able to look and see. Just say who it is.
3: Well, part of it is I don't know how to say stavoros agos
0: yes that's the kid
3: oh that's the kid
0: that's the kid i knew it was him you only wish you were as cool as me kid i might be old but i'm cool (laughs) at least i'm not scared of spiders (laughs) like a girl just saying
3: eric said yep it's spider boy Mm
0: -hmm. so at mammoth since he wants to talk about my age, we'll talk about his spider fear at Mammoth. He was terrified of spiders and we were all ROing together. Right. And so we're outside for three days and he saw a spider and like turned into a little girl right there on the spot. And so (laughs) about an hour later, I went over to him and I was like, Oh my God, there's a spider on you. He screamed like a little girl and took off running, like "Ah, ah, ah," doing like this. Okay. But what makes it even better is about five hours later, I did the same exact thing again and got the same exact response. Oh man, Mm -hmm. that's cold blooded. It was pretty awesome. So I called him the kid all weekend. I know his name is Steven, but I called him the kid. That's why you
2: don't pick fights with the show hosts.
0: That's right. (laughs) And you don't pick fights with nurses because we pick the size of your needle and your catheter. But that's not the point. (sighs) I mean it's true all right shout outs for me um i am paring down this year and so my shout outs are going to be to sharpshooters of augusta and shooters of augusta because they've always been good to me for six years and i love them dearly and to sean murphy i'm on the sean murphy indigent sponsorship program and shooting this right now so that's a good program it is a good program i'm sure i'm gonna Owe him a big bill at some point in life for all that he has helped me with. So that's all right. I won't scratch it, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, and then we just want to shout out to y'all for coming on for like what two hours of your night and spending your evening with us. We've enjoyed it so much. Um, Sean is actually the one that reached out and was like, Have you ever had him on? And I was like, No. And I totally have talked to Keely a hundred times on Facebook and shot with Mike and so yeah we totally should have him on so that was a great show to get y'all on here and just kind of talk about what y'all do and thank you for helping being an an ambassador to get new shooters into this sport because I think that's what a lot of us I know that's for me a big part of wanting to to kind of help grow the sport so
2: yeah absolutely the sport's been so good to us yeah that's a how we get back so yeah it's been good
1: and thank you thank you sean for recommending us and thank you guys for having us on um we we really enjoy it it's um i you know i love talking to people in general like i've said three times um so this this is fun for me you know we've never met in person and i can't wait for the day that we get to shoot together so
0: i know we got we have got to make it happen sometime Yeah, well, unless beam me up, Scotty can get me there. We'll see. But anyway. um, (laughs) Road trip. So that is going to be a wrap for episode 324. And we'll see y'all next week.
1: Bye, y'all.